0: We need to stop this kind of low low shelf thing because if so, all that will happen if you keep lowering the shelf is that you will keep is you will lower their expectations of themselves and you will lower literacy more and more and more. Uh, and I, I think actually, when we don't do that, when we instead. Expect a high degree of biblical literacy when we work with young people. What will happen, especially in our culture where people don't read long things, people just do their TikTok videos, uh, this will kind of make us, and especially young people, lean into the weirdness that is the Christian faith, the right mm-hmm. weirdness, the right alienness. Here we go! Impress them on your
1: children. Impress them on
0: Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine.
1: All right, Tony, well, good morning. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing pretty well. So we got a little sickness in our household, and uh, but other than that, uh, you know, we're enjoying a rare warm streak in Maine in November. We're actually supposed to. We're recording this November second, and this weekend coming up, we're supposed to have, I think, three days in the seventies, which is basically unprecedented.
1: <laughs> yeah! Wow, this sounds like down here.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's nice. Well, co- I'm not going to complain about it.
1: Well, yeah. Look, you get this pullover thing on there. So when you said that, that really stunned me. Um, it's been also, cold have in you the morning. The World Series. Well, I'm sorry. Have you caught any of the World Series?
0: Not really. I've seen some of the highlights, though. But uh, it seems like the Phillies are we are outperforming what was expected of them.
1: They just keep doing it at each round. Um, yeah, I really was disappointed. I don't like the Phillies. Um, and so I don't really like any of the NL teams that are rivals of the Braves. Um, but this year they bounced the Braves. So, you know, sometimes you, you have these expectations and they're really high hopes. And then they just, they don't, they don't materialize. And uh, like this year, the Braves, they won over a hundred games, had a better team this year than they did last year, probably. And then they go into the playoffs of the Phillies and get punched in the face. Um yeah. The Phillies barely broke 500 this year. Now they had, you know, stiff competitions with the Braves and the Mets, but uh I imagine you probably faced something like that where you had came into something with high expectations and hopes and it just didn't quite measure up.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I, I would say that uh, huh, you didn't have that. <laughs> so, Oh, I'm trying to think of uh yeah, well, I remember actually, it's funny because we used to live in Maryland and uh, everybody talked up. I've not really had a lot of seafood growing up and I remember in Maryland the first time I was giving a, one of those crab cakes, uh, you know, I, it was such a big deal to everyone. I, I, I just don't get it. So it's, you know, a bunch of mayonnaise and Old Bay seasoning, which to me, uh, I, I hope I don't overly offend any Maryland listeners, but kind of tastes like rancid seasoned salt. So, he- <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, my neighbor is from Maryland and he raves about the crab cakes. Um, and he's been gone from there for 40 plus years. But
0: Our lobster rules up here in Maine haven't beat lobster. All right. Oh yeah, I I will tell you by the way. The the advantage of lobster roll is in in Maryland they pipe in the smell of old bay into the seafood departments at grocery stores to make you buy crab cakes, and it's it's just horrible smell. And so I would hate I would go to the big chains to avoid the crab cake smell, and (laughs) then maybe I don't have to worry about that because lobster doesn't really have a smell to it. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: glad you've been able to escape. The, the Old base seasoning. Um, well, today that, that expectations, high expectations and hopes um, from baseball, it can translate into other areas. And that's what we want to look at uh, about biblical literacy or illiteracy and then the hopes that we may have for people in the church, uh, our children as well. And we want them to know Scripture and be formed by it, and we have these high hopes. Um, but currently, that's not exactly how things are going, at least in, the, in many American churches. Um, so, you know, as people come to Christ, you're like, man, we want to get them to dig into God's Word. And then some time has gone on, and we found they really. They don't have a good hold on it, and so we want to look at that today, uh, and I read several months ago uh, a few articles that were reflecting on this. They got me thinking about this reality, and so one was by Trevin Wax, and then another one – he was responding to something uh, by a guy named Brad East. And so uh, they were thought-provoking, and uh, we're not just going to rehash what they said, but it did get me thinking along these lines. Uh, but, Tony, how old were you when you gained some grasp of the teaching of, of the whole scope of the Bible, um, enough to kind of know the big picture and that th- these are the big teachings of Christianity?
0: Say in my mother's womb. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Did you leap as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't John the Baptist. So, uh, yeah, I, I'd say... Actually, it's interesting because I've told some of my story in different contexts, but I came to the Lord through a Bible class in high school, uh, and uh, I was led to the Lord by a Bible teacher, and I wasn't really interested. I actually cheated left and right in that Bible (laughs) prior to coming to Jesus, Uh, but... uh, Uh, The Bible class there, and even the one after it the year after in the private Christian school I went to, I think actually did a pretty decent job of uh, really giving the whole big picture and major teachings of the Bible. I particularly remember... Uh, I had this one, I don't remember his name, but there was one Bible teacher, unfortunately a lot of students really harassed this guy, but one, uh, a retired pastor I think it was, and I remember he would have these little images that he, that would kind of go with the names of the books of the Bible and then it would kind of describe the contents and, and even have images connecting it to the whole Bible. So I, I think I had some connection to that pretty early on, primarily because of one particularly good teacher and another one as well and uh, I I think this has definitely been something that's grown progressively in me but actually another thing that was really significant maybe even more so than that bible was even going to bible college where I disagree with some significant things that were taught by some of the bible and theology professors at the time Uh, but I remember there was a class called Leviticus and Hebrews uh, where it kind of basically it taught Hebrews as a commentary in Leviticus which I essentially think that's what it is to this day And, and it really connected all of that together all this new covenant stuff and old covenant stuff and in a helpful way that to this day makes me love reading the pentateuch more than i think i would have otherwise how about you ben who you know in high school i also went to a christian school
1: and in my junior year i had a, a teacher who had a real interest in digging into scripture he you know, was a bright guy. He's a pastor now, and he also, I think, teaches adjunct at a college or a seminary or something. He's got his PhD in, I, I think, in systematic theology. Um, he didn't at the time, but he was certainly digging in. And so that helped cultivate in me a desire to dig in. And I've kind of got an analytical mind. Um, and I was a believer at the time, and, you know, I wasn't cheating on the Bible test <laughs> by God's grace. Um, <laughs> but he he did like we we had it was just systematic theology and so there were things that i was forced to think about and see like a coherence of this is what the bible teaches now from a the big picture sense of like the the narrative of scripture and where it's going in history I, i was gaining some of that it was probably into college before i had a better hold on that and then Yeah, I mean that's just kind of unfolded with time. You know, I try to read through the scripture each year and um, read things that are going to push me to understand. You know, some biblical studies and uh, theological things like that um, that help me. And just you know, the more that you read the old, and then you see when you read in the new, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I see where that's coming from. I remember that. Um, And so yeah, I mean it's obviously an ongoing. Kind of thing, but I didn't have that when I was, you know, ten years old. Even yeah. though I mean, I I knew some things about the Bible for sure. Um, I was in church regularly, and I had the the benefit of going to a Christian school and having Bible class. And so, I mean, I found even at the time that I usually knew more of, the, you know, the answers, or if, if you want to describe it that way, uh, when we were at church compared to other kids that I I went to church with who did not have that same advantage of having a, you know, five-day-a-week Bible class. Um, Well, Tony, you have worked with children, and you've worked with uh, youth, and now you're the primary teacher of of all the people in your church. What have you learned about where people's level of biblical literacy is at? And you've been in different regions of the country, Um, but, you know, when I I asked that, like— considering adults as well as young people and have you noticed a change from you know maybe your early days in the church as a high schooler um versus where we are now
0: yeah i would definitely say that i've noticed a change and uh specifically even you know i mean a lot of times our own experience are not the most authoritative things but Mm -hmm. i i feel like you know when uh, that when we were younger, even 15 years ago, unchurch people even had some more basic biblical knowledge than even sometimes church people can have today. Uh, I think I have a couple examples of the way that kind of this lack of biblical literacy has played, uh, and, and in, in society itself, and and two specific uh, odd examples. So I remember. Uh, A couple years ago, my wife and I were we were on uh, a family trip in Florida, like a um, that uh, a family reunion. And sometimes, you know, I'll I'll bring a Kindle book on a night after the kids are in bed at places like that, and I'll just I'll just go to hot tub and read my Kindle. And just to get some relaxation. And there was, uh, I some teens got into the hot tub after me, uh, to, a large group of teen girls, and I left shortly after. It was awkward. But they started, I overheard them having a conversation uh, where they were, they were referring to, the, basically quoting the golden rule. They had heard, I think they saw something on Twitter uh, or something like that of the golden rule, and they were debating whether or not it was Gandhi who said that, or whether, It was Oprah who said that. (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah. So I thought that was, you know, I I kind of feel like even a hundred years ago, almost everyone would have known that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or another example, even within a church, uh, I remember a study of Genesis uh, where uh, someone who's been raised in the church, been involved in church for decades, I uh, thought that the rock monster stuff in the Noah movie was actually historically accurate and was taught in the Bible. If you know <laughs> what I'm talking if you've ever seen the bizarre Noah movie. There's like rock monsters. It's the dumbest thing.
1: But I've not uh, seen it. I've heard about it and heard it was kind of dumb. But
0: so I do feel like that there is a lack, you know, I I will say I am I think Maine, there's definitely a lack. I think we are at a church now that has uh, a rich tradition of Bible teaching. I think my predecessor and the other elders have been uh, largely uh, deserving of credit for that. Uh, so, probably I see more biblical literacy here than pretty much any church I've been part of, but in general, I think it's declining. What about you, Ben?
1: Uh, 100% I would agree that it is declining. And now i think with older generations if they've grown up in the church there is a higher level of it that they'll know some more obscure things particularly from the old testament or uh, those kinds of references Uh, I, i know a couple of weeks ago been doing this overview of the old testament in sunday school class that i teach and we were talking about the minor prophets and i was talking about just the different ways that the prophets denounce the people of Israel, and I didn't so much have it in the notes, it just popped up in my mind, but how um, Amos calls the people, uh, calls the women cows of Bashan or Bashan, you know, and I was trying to remember the pronunciation, and before I could get it out, one of the, the guys in my class, and he's not elderly, I mean, he's, he's old enough to be my dad, but he said it, now, if I was in there with the kids, certainly they would not have known youth, college, and probably a lot of adults my age. Yeah. I don't think that they would have known that. Um, but this guy's grown up in the church, and he also faithfully reads the Bible he used to teach. And so that was kind of more of an exception. But yes, the younger people are, the the less they have just Bible facts or you know, references you may make. But also even uh, bigger teachings of Scripture in a more systematic way. And I've had a couple of conversations with some young men <clears throat> in the last uh, last several weeks, and, and both those guys are younger than me. And they both had a similar question independent of each other about marriage, and they, they really didn't have any much idea about what the bible even said about marriage and then how that's tied to the gospel and to christ in the church and so and they were both people who had grown up in the church not not necessarily our church but um had grown up in evangelical churches and so i mean thankfully they were asking they had the humility to ask uh, but it did reveal okay we we, there's an issue here and something so basic to most people's lives again not everybody is called to be married but it is a a pretty it's not some obscure thing about like you know the baptism of the dead uh, in first corinthians 15. um this is a you know pretty straightforward kind of thing so it, it's it's an issue
0: yeah.
1: um so what kind of symptoms do you think and obviously this is a, this is a huge question what kind of symptoms led to this very obvious decline because we're not the only ones that think this and are seeing this um the decline in biblical literacy we see, at least in the American context. I mean, that's that's what we can speak to.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty confident it was probably that Power Rangers show. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Lord Zed. Yeah, I'd say probably the biggest thing, I think there's been a lot, but the biggest thing I've seen is we don't read for very long. Uh, And by that I mean not just that we don't read as much as previous generations did, but we have kind of grown a habit in our culture where reading something that takes more than really 10 minutes. It's kind of unheard of, which is a big problem with a large portion of scripture, especially narrative, where it really benefits, behooves you to read larger chunks and for an extended period of time or even... I like the epistles, where it's beneficial to read slowly and intentionally, even if it takes the time. Uh, and I suspect among Christians, this principle of not reading very long and thus not having much context is probably been especially hurt by the rise of a kind of devotionals with the expectation mm-hmm. for a Bible reading time. Where, you know, I, I read something that said I think most evangelicals in america uh their bible reading time now uh is focused primarily on reading a devotional so you're reading maybe uh, maybe a verse from scripture and then a couple pages of somebody's thoughts that may or may not be related to that and you know you'll get it done in like three minutes and you can instagram it. we've talked about this topic already to agree and devotionals are fine in their place Uh, But, you know, I don't think that that's helped because you're not getting the big picture of the Bible. You're just reading, you know, maybe over a year, you're maybe reading 365 verses, you know, and the next year, probably 90% the same verses. Uh, I suspect also kind of a decrease in cultural Christianity uh, has had an impact. and, And I think this has even impacted on Christians because you know I think that there's kind of not a lot of the assumptions in our society that allow and bring Christian truth and biblical ideas into our basic vocabulary uh and lastly i'd say and one in this you know maybe i i could have done more research on it but this is more my suspicion than anything i highly suspect a decrease in second hour participation has had a uh that a part in this meaning like sunday school or whatever and the reason why i say that is i i believe especially for children you know, that Sunday school hour, that separate hours, oftentimes the time we're in the local church, you spend more time covering a large chunk, giving it in grand biblical context, rather than, you know, spending half the time in application like one might do in a sermon. Uh, What do you think, Ben?
1: I think those are all good insights. And I think I would agree with you. And yeah, the devotionals, again, they have their place and they can be helpful. But I know a, a guy that served here for a long time he just retired uh last year uh tom lowry and he's talked about that you know that when you get a devotional you're getting someone else's pre-digested thoughts and uh we need to teach people to chew it themselves and not just takes you know the mama bird approach Mm -hmm. Uh, now sometimes i mean like i can i've read just a little bit of it i am not i mean i'm just not a big devotional guy but uh somebody like D.A. Carson has two volumes for the love of God where he it gives you read these portions of scripture and it's kind of t- taking you through the Bible in the course of a year. And then he'll pick one of those portions and give a very short, like page-length commentary on this is what this passage says, not sort of blessed thoughts and, you know, that's maybe related or not. I mean he just sort of gives a little short commentary on on, on what it means. Um those are not the typical commentaries like you know there can be nice stories and this kind of stuff um or like you know our daily bread again it's got its place but if that's the only thing that we're taking in there's a lot that we're going to miss and i mean like there's a lot of verses uh that just aren't going to appear in those kinds of things or you know the verse of the day on like i don't use this uh like the U version or just those kinds of things you know i think the bible app that i have i think it does a verse of the day i don't I mean, I don't look at it. it um, but you know, it's, it's typically not going to talk about you know flee this for the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience <laughs> or you know things like that. It's just much yeah. more positive sounding. Um, but there are things that we have to reckon with, and so I think even just wider culturally, um, some of the seeker-sensitive stuff fed into that. And let's let's yeah. not give hard truth. Let's give these topical things: how to be happy. Um, our entertainment. I mean, we are an entertainment saturated culture. I mean, you look at what kinds of money that you know big top performing uh, entertainers make, and it is just astounding. So it's clear that we value that as a culture. And entertainment by itself is not wrong, um, but that has trained us to kind of not. Um, we're amusing ourselves to death. And so the ability to read something sometimes it might be demanding for us to track with it. Like reading the prophets can be hard. Uh, it's sometimes it's hard to track. Okay, who's talking here? Is this the prophet? Is this the Lord? You know, and there's just some different things going on there. Um, you know, social media I think plays into it, and even now with the rise of something like TikTok um, when the clips are so short and just your attention span, it does shape you. Um, I heard uh, someone talking about this the other day. I I had not heard this before, and I only saw this show a little bit. I mean, I had younger siblings and it was in some context where I saw it a little bit, but, uh, this person was comparing TikTok to Blue's Clues and the, the approach. And it's just this thing, what basically going straight to the brainstem and, and he's, call it other things like fentanyl for your brain. <laughs> um, it's just like straight in and uh, just what will engage a child's attention. And so it, it's not as, you know, this building narrative and keeping, gripping your attention um, it's just kind of mindless. Uh, I think, to, you know, the emphasis on practicality in our teaching, and I'm all for this makes an impact on your life, but it's not always like, well, I'm going to give you three steps to have peace this week. It's just not always that easy, and sometimes – I mean passages in Scripture, like say Colossians 1 where it's talking about uh, he's the image of the uh, the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, these kind of things. Like there's not immediately a practical uh, go and do this. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just stop and stare at the glory of God, and so that doesn't – Everything in Scripture is not conducive to an immediate practical step, and in America, we think, well, if, it's, if I don't see an immediate practical use to this, it must be useless, and that's just not the case. Um, and so I think there's just wider cultural things that are affecting this. Um, well, Tony, why is biblical literacy important, and, and how, how important is it? I mean are we okay if we kind of continue down this trend?
0: Yeah, I think it is unbelievably important because it shapes our souls, you know, and I think even in a healthy way, and I'm not advocating any kind of Christian nationalism here, by the way, it can shape society. I I mean, I think the reality is scripture is the, I think it's the most beautiful document ever created, And, and the ways in which biblical saturation worked itself out, even in those who maybe were exposed heavily to the Christian faith but didn't wholesale embrace it themselves, has been profound. I mean, you read some of the works of Shakespeare, and you see the obvious, evident aspect of how biblical language impacts, or even, you know, George Washington. George Washington, who, you know, I know there's going to be disagreements on this, but he was not an active churchgoer, at the very least. Uh, and, but George Washington, he, he spoke in very biblical language. He had favorite Bible verses because they were just kind of exposed. And, and I think that that, that is beautiful, uh, even beyond the more important way that it shapes our souls. Uh, but it most certainly is going to put a cap on our, our growth. I think 2 Timothy 3, which I won't read aloud because we've read it before, uh, clearly shows this. You know, Scripture is useful for all these amazing things that list. Uh, and I think knowing that shows that uh, the Word is the main way the Spirit works. The primary way the Holy Spirit works to transform believers. There's other ways, but it's going to be through our study of God's Holy Word. And so if we don't study it, If we don't have understanding of it in its context, we are going to put a limit on how mature we can be. Uh, And I think lastly, I'll add, it makes us less aware of false teachings, which is a profoundly foolish place to be in, to not be mindful and ready to respond to false teachings. Because frankly, we won't know our Bible enough. We won't know our biblical theology. We won't know the relationship between the Old and New Testament enough to be able to respond and frankly some of the most pernicious false teachings and popular ones are going to involve a, a poor biblical theology, a poor understanding of how the whole Bible's put together. But what are your thoughts, Ben?
1: Well, I, I like what you said, I think you're right on. Um, yeah, I mean you look at Paul's, I've just been reading through the, the pastoral letters and Repeatedly, Paul is telling them to watch out and correct and deal with false teaching because it gets in and it affects things it's it's not just uh, How many angels can dance on the head of a pin it affects how they live and so and how churches live together reflects the character of God or Tells lies about God's character and so there are major things at stake I um, mean, Paul tells us in Romans 15 that what was written beforehand was written for our instruction and our encouragement, so that we would have hope and endurance. So it relates to our ability to keep pressing on in the faith. Um, Jesus said, "You know, go make disciples and teach them to observe all that I've commanded." Well, that we can't obey Jesus if we don't even know what he said. No. Um, and so there – yes, there is the – we need to show people how and the, the training aspect, but there is an educational component to it. They need to know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, we've talked about biblical theology, about how God reveals himself within the structure of history and that it's, it's – he's taking it somewhere. We won't understand history or our lives as well if we don't see the big scope of this is what God is doing. And uh, I've heard someone say it well that – the Bible is a it's a story that begins in the beginning, it ends at the end, and we're still somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that affects how we look at politics now or something. This is the most important election. And yes, we should treat the elections with importance and inform ourselves and vote. Um, but it's not that it will, if we lose this election,
0: I mean, the kingdom of God will just, it's going to come to a screeching halt. Um, yeah, I like what you say there. And I think honestly some of the least read books of the bible some of the weird stuff we avoid we call it weird you know as such a solution to that in biblical literacy you know regardless of one's view on revelation because it's complicated i think (laughs) amillennialism is the right view (laughs) whatever you're depending you i mean you can't get away from revelation without with a belief that You know, that like, you know, this is the most important election or that the world is going to heck in a handbasket and nothing can be done about it. A lack of biblical literacy to me clearly contributes to that.
1: Yeah, it kind of helps calm down the rhetoric. And I've just been reading Daniel recently.
0: And Daniel, you know, is in the middle of the most
1: powerful empire on earth and God humbles them. And then he's talking about, you know, throughout there's like three different kings who acknowledge that God's kingdom is the one that that lasts forever, yeah. And you know, it's just this reminder: don't trust simply what you see. the The righteous live by faith, not by and walk walk by sight. Um, and so, yeah, biblical literacy I think is massively important. And it's not just that everyone has the whole Bible memorized or that you read an hour a day, because there are cultures where people are not literate, um, and so we got to be aware of that reality. It's only kind of recent in history that people have out their own copies of the Bible because it was yeah. um, it was cost prohibitive and, and different things like that that were going on. Um, and so it's not a command, I guess, in the first level that you daily read your Bible. However, the idea of, of regular exposure to Scripture and meditation on Scripture, uh, that is a clear priority in uh, – the old testament and in the new so whether you had your own personal scroll or a book or whatever we were you know to be taking god's word in and letting it uh you know marinate inside of us and so uh and i like what you said kind of to begin this that it's going to stunt your growth i mean god works in the world and he works in our lives through the word he, he saves us through the word he mm. builds us up through the word sanctifies us through it and so if you know we read a you know one verse and some blessed thoughts about it and then we instagram it and go on and watch tiktok and you know all this stuff Uh, that's what's shaping us rather than what god has said so yeah there's there's massive problems there by Uh, the way is
0: the reason why the social media that we're not going after today at as twitter is it because we want to get the elon musk money and ask for that endorsement
1: Um, well, you found me out. Yeah, I was, (laughs) I had sent a message to Elon, you know, maybe he'd be willing to sponsor an episode. And I know, I I heard, uh, that, you know, the Babylon Bee asked him to, uh, you know, ask Jesus into his heart or something and, uh, you know, some foolishness like that. So, you know, maybe he's on, on board. Um, I'm sure he's, he's been listening, uh, been looking out there or wherever he lives now. I think he moved to Texas, but yeah, (laughs) um, so, do you think that given the, the cultural decline in deep reading, because it's not just that people aren't reading the Bible, it's that people aren't reading books uh, deeply? Um, should we lower our expectations and, and maybe our hopes for Bible reading, especially among younger Christians? I mean, you know, senior saints, they're more entrenched in their ways, and just culturally, they have a different. Uh, way of doing things but you know a rising younger generation should we just kind of give up that they're just not going to do it
0: 100 percent, i would answer no to that <laughs> uh, i mean i i think in most things like this and most things honestly in general with discipling the next generations or even raising them in in any way i think low expectations are the problem not something to you know not something to be maneuvered around they are the bigger problem in and of themselves, uh, and uh, and actually it's funny because you know I did youth ministry for a while and, uh, and it was complex. Uh, but I you know I remember you know I was being and Victor by the Spirit to push that kind of expectations. And the last summer in youth ministry, I encouraged uh, some teens to like. You know, they had a lot of time on their hands in the summer, and I encouraged them to do things like read a bunch of books over the summer, good Christian books, and read the whole Bible. You know, you can pick one basically, or read the whole Bible over 90 days and uh you know which there's ways to do that and stuff like that and some of them were doing it you know I don't know what happened as you know unfortunately we had to leave but uh the from what I know I suspect they finished it I I honestly didn't think anybody would do it I thought it would just be kind of a high uh high shelf thing that we'd build towards eventually and and to me that shows that we should. We need to stop this kind of low, low shelf thing. Because if so, all that will happen if you keep lowering the shelf is that you will keep is you will lower their expectations of themselves, and you will lower literacy more and more and more. Uh, and I, I think actually, when we don't do that, when we instead. Expect a high degree of biblical literacy when we work with young people. What will happen, especially in our culture where people don't read long things, people just do their TikTok videos. Uh, This will kind of make us, and especially young people, lean into the weirdness that is the Christian faith. The right Mm -hmm. weirdness. The right alienness. I mean, who... I mean, who would say that it's almost an inconceivable thought for somebody to be reading a book extensively on a bus among teenagers. And, you know, how beautiful it would be when that's teenagers reading God's holy word to understand it in its context. Uh, And frankly, Mm -hmm. the biggest reasons why I say that we shouldn't just kind of concede is because nothing can replace what we're losing when we lose biblical literacy. You know, there is no quick fix solution. And so if we, you know, if we lose it, we lose it. Uh, that's just what it is. So what do you think, though, Ben?
1: I think I found the solution. We're going to start making TikTok videos with a dance while we like read scripture and do stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, coordinate it. So I think that's really got some, some power to it. I'm sure that it is just gonna it's gonna take off, so get yeah, ready.
0: I'll I'll let you pioneer that, brother.
1: Yes, I'm gonna work on the choreography when we get done here. Um, I think maybe there is some sense of I don't know. I almost feel bad saying it, but with your kids, like you you hold them to a certain standard of these are the things that you may and may not do in our home. Though and so you call them to this level, but you also acknowledge they are going to fall short of that. Yeah, they are going to to sin. They are going to disobey you at times and and more often than you would like. And so I don't think we just say, "Well, we'll just settle for the verse of the day," but you also acknowledge they're especially when they're coming in. If if really the extent of their reading is two hundred and forty characters or two eighty, whatever it is, um, on on Twitter and, uh, you know, these other platforms, reading comments and, you know, just all the different social media apps, if that's the extent of their reading, okay, let's, we're not going to go, hey, let's jump into the book of Isaiah. Uh, Though, I I mean, Isaiah, an amazing book, and I love it, and I'd love to go through that with somebody. Um, Maybe not start there, you know, and and so they have some wisdom to that, but yeah, so don't give up. And don't just say, "Well, the culture won, Satan won." Like if, if we want them to be built up in the faith, they've got to take hold of Scripture. Um, and, and there are ways I think that we can go about it that are not just, "Okay, I want you for the next, you know, next month, two hours a day." That's all I'm asking you. It's only one twelfth of your day. I mean, that's just setting setting them up for failure and discouragement, and disappointment. Um, so, yes, don't don't give up. Well. It, if we do continue down this pathway of um, biblical illiteracy as well as a functional illiteracy again people are just reading less reading deeply less I mean if, if you're reading 200 and char- 280 characters at a time it's hard to follow an argument or uh, track with with things even you know, Christian book, nonfiction Christian books that help explain the Bible or help you think about life and light of scripture, um, you're, you're not going to be able to track with that as well. So if we keep going down that pathway, I mean, what do you see ahead?
0: Yeah. I see a culture that knows about a lot of things, but not very deeply. And so that, like a, a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in almost every way, even in the Bible, and I mean, you know, knowing, knowing a lot of things about economics, uh, but not knowing them well is a good way to go bankrupt. <laughs> and, uh, and in the same way, you know, I think in every way, knowing a lot of ran a lot of different things not very well is not a good thing going to be for our soul. And uh, it's going to uh, enable us to be shallow. It's going to make us susceptible to false teachings, as I've mentioned. Uh, And I think it's going to set us up to have false confidence where we don't become teachable. Uh, And uh, I I think that we will also put ourselves liable to greater spiritual abuse when we don't have that. I, I, I think... What I have not really seen is a lot of substantial connection on the rise of biblical literacy to the rise of spiritual abuse. But I really feel like it has to be relevant. You know, I think that those who are going to be more able to be abused by a pastor that, you know, they say, thus saith the pastor rather than thus saith the Lord are going to be people that don't know their Bibles well, that aren't able to challenge what they're hearing according to the word of God. Uh, but, uh, and I, I frankly will be in the danger of we're going to act as those who wander alone through the desert, darkness, through the desert, rather than having real guidance and rather than having truth in our lives. And that is a horrible place to be. What do you think, Ben?
1: Uh, I see a lot to what you're saying there. I mean, I, I would push back a little bit. because like, I mean, a prominent case of it, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I mean, they were known for having pretty sound teaching at least on there were some things maybe where it got a little skewed but i mean they were doing biblical exposition and it wasn't just sort of feel good sermons you know joel osteen kind of thing um how to have the next breakthrough in your life um so it's not a 100 percent foolproof that you know if you you have a, a full scope of scripture that you, you know i mean there's other things at play but i, yeah. I do think that there is the danger of it for sure if you don't even know um what scripture teaches and it's just like well god gave a vision to pastor so and so and i'm supposed to obey the pastor um that that is going to be a recipe for disaster but know. what anyway. does
0: fascinate me is that Even in tracking it, it seems to be the case that, you know, the abuse got worse over time. And as the abuse was getting worse, he was kind of deviating less from the exegesis, you know, that he was rooting himself in. And he was embracing more of the attractional type things. And Hmm. so I almost wonder if, you know, because even I remember some early sermons, you know, where he'd say things that limited himself based on the word of God. And uh, and you know, it and it seemed to be less of that as time went along. And so, you know, the less he rooted people in scripture, the more he was able to abuse people, is my perception. But maybe I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, and I mean I I um I don't know. Is that I know there was some pushback by some and, and you know, the, the bus ran over them, as he said. Um And so back when – I mean if your assessment's right. But uh, I do think that we've got a recipe for unhealthy churches, unhealthy families, uh, maybe even in our context a a snuffing out of the gospel eventually Mm. uh, or just very weak evangelism. uh, And also the power of living it out, which has evangelistic effect as people see. Uh, Paul talks about this in First Thessalonians that you know you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. Uh, they preached the message, but then their life validated it by living lives of holiness, and there was a spiritual power to it. And so we're going to be missing those things. And so that that's just like you said, the place of darkness. Um, you, you can't take God's word and just cut it out. I mean, that is how the Spirit works, and so. I mean I've had this conversation with a handful of people that over the last like two years that had joined our church and they came from other contexts and I mean they were believers when they came to us and they noted they said wow you guys like you take the bible seriously like I see during the sermon like people have their bibles out and man you guys take teaching serious in all these different contexts and I know you know cognitively that there are plenty of places that don't do that thankfully my experience has been every church i've ever been a part of it just is like take out your bible and now let's dig into what it actually says and this is you know the implications for us and it's just been done well um not everybody has that experience and so these people were just they were encouraged by that but i mean i was kind of blown away and thinking what else would you do when you gather together Mm -hmm. with god's people (laughs) um you know we're gonna have the pastor ride out on a harley and tell some jokes um i but, yeah, I mean, that kind of thing happens. Yeah. Um, so, Tony, let's kind of shift this to the home. What can parents do going forward to help cultivate biblical uh, reading and knowledge and, and taking the theology that the Bible gives us and integrating it into life? Like how can we cultivate that in our children when we live in this, this society that is increasingly biblically Ill- illiterate but also functionally illiterate?
0: Yeah, so I think that parents should challenge their kids on these kind of things and and work with them uh, towards taking seriously Bible reading. Uh, And so some of the ways, you know, oftentimes I feel like we treat, you know, kind of an annual Bible reading plan as that, you know, that's something for, you know, the 70-year-old in the church. But I think that should be something for the 7 year olds as well or even a biannual, you know, we were at somebody's house uh, a, a few months ago or so, and uh, maybe a month ago, and they had on their fa- on their family fridge, uh, for the whole family, independently, they would read through the whole Bible over two years, and they had assigned passages for every day, and I think they were doing it, and they kind of would keep each other in check, you know, I mean, the kids had the authority to ask, Mom and Dad, Mom and Dad, how are you doing on this, from what I understand, and, and I think that, to me, that on its own has significant power. But I will say, especially for parents and navigating how kids are going to do it, you know, sometimes I think the danger we can get into these is through overly prescribing a way. And I think different ways are going to work differently for different people. And even myself, I feel like I've actually grown in my Bible reading just in the past kind of year or so, or instead of, you know, a lot of people read through the Bible every year by doing, you know, four chapters a day, which is a great way to do. But for me, I, you know, I'll do, you know, maybe 10 verses with the family and family worship. But then I set aside like two hours on, on like usually a Thursday and I'll read like 20 to 25 chapters at a time. And, And that actually I find can be very helpful because it can give you kind of both ends with that. Um, I, I, I say in addition to this, uh, one thing that, that you can do practically is, and I'm not going to prescribe either of these things because they're not in the Bible, the next two aren't, is go to the second hour. You know, get involved in Sunday school, particularly if it is teaching through books of the Bible, as many of them are. Uh, and check out your church library. You know, a lot of times, a lot of churches can have really solid church libraries or book recommendations, even free books to grow in biblical literacy. Uh, and people just, you know, look past them. Our church, we're really blessed by a great church librarian in that pursuit. Uh, and consider that, even for your young kids. Uh, and fa- finally, you know, and I-, I know I beat this drum so many times, but return to family worship. I think that is such a practical, simple way that you can grow together in biblical literacy or you know, you're doing it together. So it's not even just a, you know, a little Johnny, make sure you're not playing video games in your room, but rereading the Bible. It's something we celebrate as a whole family. But what are your thoughts on this, Ben?
1: I think it's really good. Um, I think, yeah, you want to... I love all those prescriptions, uh, or those not prescriptions, like you must do it precisely this way, but guidelines to think about. Um, You know, with the kids, you mentioned about having them read through it, and I think that's very commendable. There's also other things where these plans, I think Crossway has it, and, and I'm sure that you can find them in lots of places, where it will take kids through major portions of. Or portions of each major section of Scripture, and so depending on their age or where they're at, um, that may be more fitting. And I I think that's okay, that they're getting exposure to – like these are kind of the turning points, and um, okay, this is what's in Scripture. Um, Yeah, maybe you do it with them. You sit down and say hey i, I will just i'll read this with you or you check in you know that kind of thing uh, but pray that god will make it effective and if you feel like ah, i mean i kind of see the need for this and um I, I want my kids to do this but i'm not doing it like i mean put down the phone put down turn off the streaming service i mean we will make time for the things that we find valuable you make time to go to work or to do your job if you work from home i mean you you do yeah. um and so if we think this is valuable, we will give ourselves to it and also look for ways to help our kids give themselves to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mean, make sure that you're in a, a good church that has sound teaching. That's not just, you know, joke time with the pastor uh, or, you know, smoke and lasers and we're going to have, you know, quote, worship for like an hour and then like a 10 minute TED talk and then, you know, go home. Uh, that's, you're probably not getting the, what you need there I, I do like the uh what you said about the second hour there and and yeah we'll get to some of that in a minute um but to also ask the, ask the kids provocative questions uh, to help them engage the world through the lens of the bible well hey this is going on or this person said this or your friend did or this politician and people are talking about it what do you think about that what does god say about it and get them to think about those things to try to make connections um so taking a step to the church now, what can churches do to help the family as a whole and young people in particular to grow in their own reading of the Bible, their knowledge of the Bible, and then actually putting it in practice. I mean, again, the goal is not to take a USB drive full of biblical knowledge and just plug it into their heads. Um, Jesus said to teach them to obey what I've commanded. So what do you see there?
0: Yeah, Good question. So, so I think, yeah, the church definitely, one of the most important things is just stick to the word as you, you know, teach God's people, and and there's going to be some things I'm going to suggest that I think are helpful, uh, but nothing can be more helpful in these kind of things than the church doing the things that God has created the church to do, uh, but beyond, you know, the ordinary preaching of God's word, the ordinary singing even of God's word, uh, I think... We we can encourage people through perhaps providing things like that Bible reading plan that I mentioned. Actually, and that family, the church is providing it. The church was encouraging families to do it, and and I think that can be a really great idea. Uh, You know, don't church discipline somebody for not reading in the same way that your the rest of the congregation is. But uh, you know, providing these kind of things, these resources can be really wise. Uh you know, I, I think another thing that I found is very helpful is, you know, and this can be in Sunday school, but uh you know, our church well, uh, we go back and forth when books of the Bible study and uh and uh, like a general Christian book studies, but I'll, oftentimes in midweek we'll have study of a book of the Bible and we do these little good book guides. I love those things. And, you know, we ask people, you know, to work ahead. You know, we give them the guides and they're expected to, to you know, do the work, to study the texts, and even read Kind of cross references. And I think that's a helpful thing and a thing that we end up celebrating when we come back together. Uh, and then again, just back to the ordinary things. To me, expositional preaching, preaching what the text says in its context and especially going through large segments of scripture if possible, I think can be profoundly helpful to parents. I think it teaches them how to read the Bible, I think it equips them for this act, and it shows them how the whole Bible's put together. But what are your thoughts, Ben?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I love what you said. I think that that mix of, yes, your expositional preaching should be at the center there. You're teaching people, even as you preach, how to read the Bible for themselves. Like, it's not a compliment of, like, man, pastor, I would never have understood, never seen that. Now, sometimes, yes, maybe you bring up something from the cultural context that then it sheds light on how to understand it, but you're not just pulling rabbits out of a hat kind of thing. Uh, and so it should be clear to people like, oh, okay, I see why why he said that. Like, okay, you yeah. read here and it says in verse three. Okay, um, and so teach the whole counsel of God, and I think that that is going through books of the Bible, but also in a more topical or systematic way. You're you're addressing issues like. For instance, I'm, right now we're doing something, I'm preparing some studies for some adult Sunday school classes on the doctrine of Christ as we approach Christmas. Now, I, I will say I think we spend a little too much time as the church focused on Christmas. Um, <laughs> however, I, I you know, I think it's a little bit of a neutral category. It, it's appropriate for us to turn our attention to Christ and even the mystery of the incarnation and why he came. And so – Okay, that's there. Let's leverage it for the glory of God, and and so um, it can be effective for evangelism and all kinds of things because people are sort of thinking about some of that, or it makes an easy entryway. But um, yeah, so I think you want a, a balance of those two, and then this uh, – I mentioned those articles at the beginning. One of the fellows, Brad East, talked about if you're acknowledging up front that people are not – engaging scripture a lot through the week they're kind of snacking that when they come on sunday they should get a feast and i think in, whether they're reading deeply or not this is wise and good um, but that the songs that you sing they don't they're not just well we like that one and you know we've sung that one a lot um, and people enjoy it it makes us feel good but it's this song teaches the truth about god and it, it's saturated with the Bible, and the way that we pray, we're, we're modeling for people to take God's Word and use it as a springboard into prayer. Um, and so just what you do, your, your service, your gathered time is saturated with God's Word, and that you're maybe even explicitly helping people to see that, that this comes from the Bible, this comes from the Bible. Um, so that it's, it's sending the message. What we do is guided by the Bible, and so our life is is guided by what God says Um the resources that you're from, you know, making those available. I mean, there's you know family Advent guides as we approach Christmas, and uh, there's other things like that, family reading plans or personal reading plans. Just things like that to to set the expectation. Like this is what God's people do. They engage with His Word. Um, scripture memory i mean just you could go on but uh you're helping people to to do that and then yeah i mean you're thinking towards obedience you're giving context for that encouraging them to discuss that with one another and and spur each other on but uh so individuals have a responsibility in this i know i've had a conversation uh with a couple different people recently and they both said like well if, if you don't uh if you don't read and grow and ask questions yourself, like some of that's kind of on you, and and I agree with them, like yeah, there is the personal responsibility that we should take for our own growth, but there also comes responsibility at the, the feet of church leaders to to help cultivate that and to give proper instruction. Or you know, there's books that you talked about that you go through uh, in your church. I imagine there's some authors that you don't use. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. think you're going to be doing a study of your best life now, uh, or other things that, that, you know, you might, or the shack or I don't know, um, you know, things like that. Um, so there's some things that you avoid and there's other things that you draw attention to. Oh, Hey, look, you know, this is reliable. This is good. This is healthy for your soul. So there's, it it cuts both ways. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as we come to a close on this, are, are there any particular things that you would, uh,
0: recommend is useful to individuals, to families, to young people? Yeah, one thing I think can be really good for people, uh, a really helpful resource that I know of, uh, but not necessarily for everyone, is there's a little book uh, called, not that little, called Exploring the Bible uh, by David Murray, and it's kind of for mm-hmm. reading age kids. And it's You a stole he- mine, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reading through the whole Bible and kind of taking notes. Uh, but, you know, I, I think... And another thing in addition would be uh, that's beneficial is, you know, if your church does like a kid's bulletin, I think kid's bulletins can be a fantastic little resource on this, especially if they're geared towards how you can connect it to the text. And like even we make one that, you know, has kids even note what testament the passage is in and stuff like that. Uh, And, you know, if your church doesn't do it, I don't think there's anything wrong with making that for your own family. What do you think, Ben?
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I was going to mention the David Murray book. Uh, there's another one that they have. I think it's somewhere. I'm trying to look on my shelf from a distance here. Um, maybe I gave it away, but it's uh, a book intended for families. It's in the same vein as that exploring the Bible. Maybe it's called Exploring the Bible Together or something. And it's a guide just helping you read through major portions of Scripture and and ask some a question or two about it. I mean, it's, we're not talking like this, you know hour-long Bible study, which, I mean, hey, if you want to do that, your kids can do that. That's great. Uh, but just acknowledging, I mean, I know if, if your family worship goes anything like ours, it's not just this bliss in the presence of the Lord, and we're all like, Lord, feed us, speak, oh, Lord, uh, as we come to you. You know, sometimes you're like, stop making those noises. No, sit down. <laughs> you know? um, And so that's just what you deal with, and you just keep doing it. Like, Every meal I've had in my life, I don't remember as this just remarkable experience and just life-altering. But I just kept eating and kept eating, and the Lord has sustained my life, you know, through this time, and I enjoy relatively good health because partly because of that. Mm. Um, And so, you know, same thing goes for that. As we engage the Bible, every it's not going to be ideal every time, but we keep putting it in there and. And and we pray and we trust that God's going to do something with it. But if you don't if you don't throw the the seed of the word in there, nothing's going to grow. Yeah. You know, I mean. So and that's that's what we're after. So uh, do it individually, do it as a family, and, and engage with God's people in the church. Like it's not just don't just do one or just do the other. Um, it's it's a it's a complete picture. Yeah. Well, Tony, thanks for thinking about this with me. Um, Probably it's a blessing. For those who hear, and uh, to to give ourselves afresh to engaging with God's word, because that is how he works in the world to build up his people and, and bring people into his kingdom.
0: Amen. God bless, brother. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.